What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. Dean, how are you? Fantastic. We got a sponsor again today, the incredible folks at Better Together, which, by the way, we interviewed the CEO, Megan, uh, in our episode last week, and she is just such a gun. I mean, just incredible, such a good combo. So they're just such strong uh, partners of ours. Uh, In fact, even our local church here uh, gives to them, um, I believe, monthly. Um, But Better Together is a nonprofit organization that helps parents who are going through a difficult time keep their children out of foster care, uh, find work, and address root causes of their struggle so that they can reunite as a family with the tools and support systems to thrive. So it's a privately funded nonprofit. It's volunteer-driven and professionally supported. They have two programs, the Better Families Program, uh, which uh, is host families that care for children uh, in their home while those parents uh, work with mentors to get back on their feet. And then the really cool program that I love is called the Better Jobs Program. Uh, 76% of families can trace their crisis back to job loss. And so what the Better Jobs program does is it works with local churches to do job fairs and job coaching um, for people who uh, are getting back on their feet and need a job. So it's a phenomenal organization. Uh, You can learn more about it by hitting the link in our show notes. So um, make sure that you do that. Dean, where in the world are you today? I'm back in Los Angeles. I've been traveling a lot. Um, uh, On the road. I just just nixed three... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> travel opportunities that I, I just booked that just mixed them they're out of my calendar so I'm, I got a couple I got to do for the next six weeks but you know we'll be in LA till uh, early June and then head back, head back to Park City Utah for the summer it's going to be in the 80s this weekend it's going to be in the 80s that's going to be okay so first of all before we jump into our topics the Masters uh, I gotta say I was rooting for a live golf player to win the masters and you know that they were hating the pj was hating the amount of focus that this was getting so much so that i believe i read that there's people that are now claiming that the broadcast on purpose spent less time less time covering phil uh Uh, that's not the story here the story is 13 million people Mm -hmm. number one golf broadcast in the last five years so Mm -hmm. The live PGA drama exploded or the audience, mm-hmm. which CBS <laughs> loved, obviously. Um, and it was great for golf. And it, you couldn't have written it up better. I was rooting for Brooks all day. But mm-hmm. Ram's such a nice guy, right? Like I, was I know. Like I know. So the fact that Phil and Patrick Reed just, you know, were like tied second or third, it was just I an know. awesome thing. So, right? yeah, it's down in Australia this week. So, uh uh, I literally got, yeah, shout out to Jack, who's literally one of our listeners. I got a voice, I got a voice memo um, (laughs) from a guy that listens to this show and Good Theology yesterday on Instagram on his way to the, on his way to the tournament. And he was like, I know you guys love it and always talk about it. Just wanted to let you know I'm on my way. Oh man, I'm jealous. I hope you're having a wonderful time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I want to jump through these first two topics quickly because I know topic three, uh, there's so much there. And I think everyone anywhere in uh, the business entrepreneurship community is talking about what is everything that's going on in AI and all of that mean for the future of building startups. So I want to get through these first two quick, but I think they're really important. Um, uh, I read this recently. Paul Graham wrote, I finally got 
being good. I'm sorry, let me start that over. I finally got being a good startup founder down to two words, relentlessly resourceful. Uh, and then the question is, what are the best examples you've seen of this with your own startup or others? So what does it mean to be relentlessly resourceful? And then what are some examples that maybe you've seen or examples that you guys have uh, actually put into practice in your own business? Yeah. Well, I think I would split these two words into two, two separate things. One, mm -hmm. relentless, two, resourceful. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, relentlessly resourceful together, but just the relentless thing, right? You're just not, you, you're going to go to the mat. You, you, you know, you're going to be at the point where you will do almost anything to keep your startup alive and, you know, keep it going. So that just kind of goes without saying entrepreneurship 101, you better uh, not throw in the towel too easily in any area of your life. Otherwise you're, uh, you're not going to make it. And then the resourceful thing is like, I think about things like your network, right? Who, you know, like all, all the things that you can leverage in the past relationships that you've built which is why we never burn relationships. We never burn friendships. We never burn business relationships. We, you know, if you don't stop doing business somewhere with someone that's like on a high note, handshakes, high fives, mm -hmm. this was great, mm -hmm. you know, decided to move on. Partnerships are there for a while, but then you, you know, outgrow them sometimes, but you never, ever, ever burn a business relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. Because hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a faith um, kind of feel believing business owner, entrepreneur, you're treating people with respect, integrity, honesty, like all the things that hopefully mm -hmm. come naturally, natural for us Christians. And mm -hmm. so n there's never a need to burn uh, a business relationship. So, cause they, they always come back down the track and, mm -hmm. you know, resources so outside of the obvious are really going to be the relationships that you've built to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, get advice or get access to or whatever. That's when I, when I see that, that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The relational aspect is, um, so important. And I find it interesting how many people I come across that don't really know how to do that and not knowing mm -hmm. how to do it or that not being their personality is the excuse they use to not do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everyone has to learn how to think about, think of this way about relationships, right? Totally. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, there's a um, natural way you, you, if you learn how to do it, like there's always, there's, there's cringy relationships that we, you know, people mm -hmm. are trying to switch up to you to, and they're there to get something. The best relationships are the ones where you're not trying to get anything out of the person other than build mm -hmm. the relationship and the friendship. And if you cross mm -hmm. paths doing business, great. If you don't, you're friends and uh, right. you help your friends, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, secondly, uh, I thought this was good. One way to become luckier is to show up consistently. When people trust that you'll do what you say, when you say it, not only will they want to work with you, they'll want you to be successful. You can't build anything meaningful when you show up inconsistently. And then this is kind of how it ended, which I love. In the short term, you are as good as your intensity. In the long term, you are only as good as your consistency. Yeah. I really loved that idea of just, just consistently being there. That's, totally. <laughs> I would say that's the story of any success I've ever seen in my life keep is like, up. you know, I may not be doing much, but I'm going to yeah. keep turning up yeah. and eventually, eventually it will lead to something. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I couldn't agree. Turning up is, you know, oh, like I absolutely agree. Just, just being reliable um, and consistent. I was thinking about, you know, remember back in the day traveling, you know, to not, very exciting countries to do mission work and you saw a McDonald's, you're just like, 
you just went to it because you knew what mm-hmm. you were getting. It was going to be pretty stinking close mm-hmm. to that Big Mac mm-hmm. that you had back home. Mm-hmm. So consistency yeah. in product is, is a thing. But um, but yeah, just just the traits of being uh, it's integrity, man. It's just doing what you say, saying what you do, turning up on time, being punctual, all the little mm-hmm. things that just make you reliable, and then mm-hmm. builds trust. And then you know that's a pretty great great foundation to keep uh, building your business with. Yeah. So just I guess as one more question there this idea is you're you're as in the short term you're as good as your intensity but in the long term you are only as good as your consistency how do you most entrepreneurs are intense and can be mm-hmm. intense and mm-hmm. can flip on that intensity switch mm-hmm. i'm not an i'm not an expert but i've been around enough intense entrepreneurs to know that the more the older they get the better they are at learning when to turn that switch off and when to turn it on and turn it on how do you do that like like whether that be company-wide whether that you personally i'm sure there are times you wake up and go all right we need we need intensity for the next month or the next quarter or the next week how do you determine that and when do you sense okay i gotta put take my foot off the gas or put my foot back on yeah i'm not naturally an intense person i'm Mm -hmm. pretty easy going um i would replace um and and use the word focus mm-hmm. so sometimes you're in the macro everything's rum, rumbling along and you're just running your company but then there's a new product or a new opportunity or a new partnership and you get highly focused mm-hmm. and that may come across as intense or then you're being mm-hmm. very intense about this like no i'm still me i'm just being highly focused which means focused. I'm, i, I want to optimize every resource I have within my reach to go and get this one month, three month job done. And mm-hmm. it's software. It's a lot like that. You just, you know, you, you build the software, you release it to the public, um, you squish a few bugs, you keep it maintained, and then you want to add a feature. Right. And so it's like, we're going to build this and we're going to get this in the market and we're not, it's not going to take six months. We're going to do it in two months and it's going to work. And right. It's just like, you know, but you can't live like that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 these these intense people and I've met them too. That's like they're always like just intensely mm-hmm. focused about. Mm-hmm. It's like man, you keep your foot on the gas like that all the time. You're blow a gasket, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. and it gets it gets hard for people around you if you're like that all the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's mm-hmm. not. Don't think you have to be intense to be positive and upbeat and visionary and moving forward. You, you can be really calm about it and just have this internal resolve that you are going to your destination no matter what. And, mm. and so I'm not, I'm not that like super intense person. Right. I, I've been around that and, and, you know, it works for a bit, but I would just, the quiet, steady, mm-hmm. focused business person that goes about and gets results, whether you're an employee or a business, you know, owner, um, it, they're just great to be around. They're great to mm-hmm. work with and they get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, yeah, and I think it's there's this there's difference that. between yeah like the intense focus and excitement. You can tell when there's a di- like you can tell when someone gets excited about something, and so they have this like you said like like yeah. a an intense focus versus a stressed like you know that's that's mm-hmm. a tough that's a tough environment to be in. Okay, let's jump to the meat of this. Yeah. Um, do you want to take these one by one? What what would what do you think? Um, or do you want to like? run yep. through them. I know you said you've been thinking a lot yeah. about this. So I just thought this was like a, as someone who has kind of like been building a company, obviously with other people, but predominantly it's me doing the 
doing the work, I read this and I really right. resonated right. with it, you know? Yeah. So to me, it was, it was good. So, okay. The future of building startups looks like this, according to this person, uh, MVP speed, uh, one X per month, which basically just in my opinion means you get an idea, you can get that idea up and an MVP launched in one month. Um, that's, AI accelerated. Depending on the, yeah. Depending on the product or whatever it is, like, Maybe doable, but certainly mm -hmm. speed. I was just at a, at a conference with a bunch of CEOs, and the first session was about speed. Um, like everyone is wanting to do things faster now um, mm -hmm. because you know it's a competitive environment. Like mm -hmm. it's so speed is a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. you know you don't want to get so fast that the wheels start falling off, and right. uh, and you crash. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like yep. maybe go over the speed limit, like. 15 miles an hour, not 50. Uh -huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Move fast. Okay. The next AI accelerated and that term All accelerated, right. I think is interesting. Everyone is talking about AI. We probably should do a series of episodes no, on yeah, it at some should. point. Um, I think this term AI accelerated to me, at least in my non-super technical brain is the way I think about AI right now is, is an, it's an accelerator, it's a time saver, it's a jump start. And I think anyone who's not using that to accelerate whatever it is they're working on is actually missing what like probably yeah. the biggest competitive advantage in the world right now. What do you think? Yeah. So if I'm focused on anything right now, it's, it's AI. Uh, mm -hmm. the, all these CEOs that I've been with, the, we're all thinking about it. We're all talking about it. Uh, we're actually, we're implementing uh, a bunch of AI into our products. Uh, AI is going to affect marketing first, right? So mm -hmm. think about content marketing. Mm -hmm. AI, like ChatGPT is going to do, I was talking to this guy, you know, they've been, they like day one have been into it. He said content marketing, 85% is done for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're, so like his content guys are like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to lose my job. And he's like, the person who's going to lose their job is the person that doesn't know how to use ChatGPT. So I was literally just talking to somebody about this. Yep. <laughs> right. So I saw yesterday on the on the on the Twitter like copywriter 140k a year just got laid off, and it's because of ChatGPT. Right. So but mm -hmm. so you you can't resist it. You know mm -hmm. this guy gave a great kind of um, analogy. Like before the nail gun, builders would use a hammer, and when the compressor nail gun came out. They're like, oh, we don't want to use that. But like within 12 months, like people would like a 10x productivity because mm -hmm. you go, doo, 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 mm -hmm. right? And so it, within 12 months, everyone had a no, you know, gun. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is that. This is going to 10x productivity. So I think marketing, think code, right? Mm -hmm. There's huge amounts of engineering that are going to mm -hmm. be in AI and, and mm -hmm. generate. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, and then think support. So yep. think about our knowledge base, Tithely's knowledge base, which is tens of thousands of articles, right. mm -hmm. putting it in ChatGPT and having a prompt, ask me mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And I literally can serve up to my customers mm -hmm. the answers to every single question mm -hmm. instantly about our products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are three areas going to be massive disruption. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's if you're not thinking about AI right now, and specifically ChatGPT, and, and the one that, you know, our head engineers mm -hmm. go to Microsoft next week, 
tutorial, but like building it into mm-hmm. like it literally it, in PowerPoint, it'll be write me an eight page slide deck I on know. this, 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 and this, this business case, that thing, generate the images, click. I like it's literally we're at the beginning. Remember we said we're at the AOL stage mm-hmm. of AI, mm-hmm. but it's moving up like a hundred times faster than mm-hmm. the nineties. Right when the internet really came to the public, mm-hmm. this is moving mm-hmm. at a bit of light. So, um, ignore it at your peril because it's mm-hmm. coming for a lot of industries, and you better jump on board and become an expert and use it because everybody else is going to do it. I, I agree. I, man, I, it is, it has literally changed the way that we look at our entire business. It, mm-hmm. it, it and 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 I'm in the content business, and you're totally right. I. Uh-huh. feed this chat bot and another thing, another product I use. And it's better than me. It's literally mm-hmm. better oh. than me. I'm, and I'm not like some prolific writer, but <laughs> for the, what I needed to do, it actually does what oh. I needed to do 10 times, a hundred mm-hmm. times faster. And the quality yeah. is just as good, if not better. Um, yeah. and, and you, know, you I, always I need, need the human element, right? It needs exactly. You can edit, you can say, you know, edit the above and do a thousand words. You might've done a bunch of research on ChatGPT and found out like 3000 words. So mm-hmm. like, you're going to edit it, you're going to, but it still needs a human to read it mm-hmm. and, and make sure that it's fact. This guy I was talking mm-hmm. to, they have, they got a lot of complexity around tax compliance with their software in different states and different jurisdictions and different countries. ChatGPT is, he says it gets to at 90% right. Mm-hmm when they have to do documentation around tax compliance. Like, think about that. Like the tax compliance of Bolivia. Mm-hmm. This other guy, he sells in uh, in South America and the tax rules in some countries change like every three months. So he's Jeez. using AI to, to like, yeah. it's just insane what's happening. It's, it's insane. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, at every single level. And it's, it's actually really overwhelming because I think it was the all in guys that said this, this technology is compounding at a rate of every two weeks where on average technology compounds every 18 months to two years. And this is actually doing it every every two weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. Moslow was Mm -hmm. like chip, chip, you know, CPU Mm -hmm. double every 18 Mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. And and now we're two weeks. (laughs) <laughs> and what's crazy look if you're listening to this and you're like hey how do i even how do i even start like just go on open ai go yeah, on go open, open ai there are twitter, twitter and search, and and see, search up prompts i mean there are people that are giving away prompts i saw I, yeah. people are now spinning up these packets i i saw one the other day 900 yeah. ai prompts for marketers and i started playing around with it and yeah. i'm like why this is insane yeah. And, and so I think you're totally, yep. I think you're totally right. Um, okay. Let's move a bit down. Obviously super niche is the new niche. Um, we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now again, yeah. you, this person is talking about the idea that most of these companies are going to be solopreneurs and micro entrepreneurs. So teams of less than 12 is what, what he's using this as right. the future of startups, which means it makes sense that he would say super niche is the new niche. Uh, if you're a, right. a broad SaaS product, sure, you have a niche, but you can't go too super niche because you need a large, a large um, right. 
you know, a, a large customer base, but I get what he's, right. what he's saying here. So community first, mm-hmm. software second. Um, and I'm just going to run through these, jump in if you have a, mm-hmm. you know, any, any thoughts, uh, yeah, no I mean, code. Just, just on that one, we're about to release a product to a community that, um, that is like highly that, um, you know, I'm not sure it's community first, software second, right? That, that I, I get the concept you, that you have this group of fish in a bucket that you can go and sell to, and they're all they're in the bucket together because they do the same things and they have the same maybe values or they have the same you know kind of outcomes in their jobs. So I, I get what he's saying there, but you know, yeah. And then having the community like to go and sell into is that's pretty good and you got to be able to build a community right like that's and community doesn't mean followers which i think is another huge thing to remember i I was talking to a guy the other day who works with very large influencers to help them monetize some of the stuff that they're doing and he was like michael do not waste your time looking at how many followers someone has right and he showed shared with me some of the tests that he uses to track what their engagement is to see if they actually have a community or not Right. And, um, so yeah, community and followers are not, are not the the same thing. Right. Um, no code first, some code second. Agree. Um, I think that's, that's, yep. Um, 10 X more automated. Um, That goes mm -hmm. back to point number two, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're 10 Xing automation because you're leveraging (laughs) artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's just like, um, global teams, localized products. Agree. Um, yep. Yep. Um, 95% dominated by solopreneurs and micro entrepreneurs, teams less than 12. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, in the early days, right? But hopefully you want to go and build a billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. So you're going right. to have more employees than that. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. early days. Mm-hmm. Um, needs the marketing holy trinity to hit escape velocity. One, product market fit. We've talked about a ton. Two, mm-hmm. content market fit, which again, AI has made content market fit way more doable than it's been in the past, right? No, instead of a day, um, instead of running a blog in a day, like with really good content that's researched mm-hmm. and something that actually people want to read and then mm-hmm. getting keywords in it and getting like mm-hmm. your keywords in it and then getting mm-hmm. it noticed on the internet mm-hmm. is like now it's five minutes. In a, in, and and I'm, I say what I'm about to say is that in a month, only because it's me doing it, we're going to have every single one of our Kings and Priest episodes we've ever done fed through this, put into 25 blog posts, newsletter, like, and and we're going to be able to go, Hey, what are the themes here? What are, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's game over community market fit. Okay. We talked about that team. Team is half robots, half humans, (laughs) Um, multiple revenue streams. Um, He says here, design matters. The bar is high. I partially agree. The guy that wrote this also runs a productized design agency. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> that is what it is. Partnered with creators. Creators are distribution. I yeah. think I hundred percent agree with that. Um, with your business, but, you know, with my business, cool. yeah, for sure. I like this one. Feels like a game. Level, yeah. status, badges, in-app currency, challenges, collectibles, <clears throat> items. Yeah. Gamification is a thing, right? There's a word mm-hmm. that wasn't around when I was a kid. Gamification, mm-hmm. and uh, and where we've got our new giving app coming out, we're building mm-hmm. some kind of gamification gamified stuff yeah things but yeah no i agree with that we have we have a sponsor coming on starting in may whose product uh we're going to help launch as a uh, network and it's a uh text game that helps you memorize scripture by sending you 
a text each morning with different letters of the scripture, like a puzzle th- that wow. disappear. What a great and, idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. And the guy's a listener of actually Kings and Priests and hit me up and said, hey, can we come up with a way to, like for you guys to help us launch this? And it's a oh, game. It's literally a game to help you memorize scripture. We should via do, text like, do it, like have him on, but we should do it like live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's like that's so, that's so brilliant, right? Um, yeah. I know you know our folks at the the crew at Theoshu is heavy into this right now. Is how do we gamify education? I'm gonna skip this other one: purpose driven moonshots, societal impact mm-hmm. matters. Because you know, I don't I don't know if I fully agree. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Productized agencies to generate cash flow, and and his whole thing, and this is a thesis that this guy has had for a long time, because then he goes on to say, ninety nine percent of MVPs won't need VC. So his whole thing is like, you build a productized agency yep. to incubate and pay for your own MVP ideas, so that right. you either don't ever need VC money, or when you do, you really need it, and you need it for a specific yeah. reason. Um, yeah. What do you think yeah. about that? I find that to be really compelling. Yeah, I mean, it's back to our old love of bootstrapping, right? It's just another form. Mm-hmm. I think what you're saying there is that you're building some kind of environment where you could provide services to other people and therefore incubating your own product at the same time, generating cash flow. Is that essentially what mm-hmm. this is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of genius, you know, when you, when you think about it. But look, however you can bootstrap your product to get – to MVP and revenue, you do mm-hmm. You don't want to sell any of your company if you don't have to. In right. the ideal world, you would never sell 1% of your company mm-hmm. because you want to mm-hmm. own as much of that thing for the longest time possible. Mm-hmm. And a bit, the only reason you need VC sometimes, is, you know, and seed is you go and like you need some cash to get this thing, you know, really cooking once you've proven it. But uh, keep your business as long as you can until you can't and then you know and don't overvalue your business to get money mm-hmm. early it'll bite you later on because mm-hmm. if it don't perform then you'll you know have to raise money in a, in a down round and so i've seen some guys you know literally like get a you, 10 million dollar valuation because they're doing something in crypto and like and people think crypto is the next thing and the business is worth nothing and so you won't raise any more you, money you want to hear an interesting uh, i was just studying a company uh, that had this issue vice you've heard of vice media mm-hmm. so vice started by shane smith started as a skateboarding magazine then became mm-hmm. one of the biggest media brands in the world and had about 35 sub businesses underneath it digital networks production company you name it their last valuation they made they raised on was eight billion okay <laughs> eight billion guess what they think it's going to sell for in the next 90 days shock me 400 million. Yeah. Now, is selling a company for 400 million not no. too shabby, right? Especially when they think it's going to be the founder that's going to buy it back. So right. I'm sure it's going to end up fine. Yeah. But, but the, that tells you how. This article, this article was actually trying to explain the tentacles of investment across the last decade that they've raised and from who and how and right. what the deal right. was and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you just go, gosh, a BuzzFeed I just read today, their stock – uh, yeah. at once was worth billions. Their stock is, I right. think, in like around right. the 75 cent range. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's fascinating. So yeah, I, I think you're totally right on there. Amazing. Any other, any other thoughts? I, I would just say, you give me five seconds of what you think. I have been overwhelmed by all of the changes that I think the last two months have brought to mm-hmm. 
the business world, yeah. what it means to be an entrepreneur and the new opportunities yeah. through things like AI. And I just yeah. think anyone who's building anything and not at least putting some time into learning this is mm -hmm. really going to miss some yeah. opportunity. No, look, if you're in technology, it's, uh, it's going at you know, a million miles an hour. So yeah, get on it. And, you know, look, these things often bubble up, right. And, and there's a mm -hmm. pullback. But when there's, this is, this is equivalent to, you know, I would equate this to the start of the internet in the nineties, mm -hmm. mm. mobile in the 210s and this AI thing right now, the, the, these ev evolutions of technology and the internet and dig digital, um, I, I think you could literally have three pillars, the beginning of the, you know, web browsing and, and Google and all those companies, Amazon, all of that mobile, Apple did what they did spawned the mobile kind of world, um, that ecosystem and now AI, I think, I think AI is that big. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. amazing. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. Make a, make sure do us a favor, leave us a rating, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. If you're listening to this, go on YouTube, search for Kings and Priests and subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. Uh, that is so huge for, for helping people discover the show. All right, we will see you back next week.